Good morning. How are we all doing today? Doing well. Awesome. Well, hey, my name is Dave, and I get to be the campus pastor out in North Platte, and I'm here today to just welcome you to service. If you're a first-time guest, I hope that this is the best morning of your week. And so I just want to say thanks for having me. First of all, Carney Campus, it's awesome to be here with you. I also want to say hello to everybody out at our Wild West venue, as we call it, the North Platte Campus. And then if you're watching with us online, thanks for making uh, worship of God a priority and, and connecting and plugging in with us that way. So we're here today to venture into week two of our teaching series, One Plus One Equals One. Last week, Pastor Chris got us started with a great message on commitment, and he talked about how the, the chair with four different legs kind of represents marriage, and we're going to present four different parts of marriage that we need in order to have a healthy marriage, or if you want to extend it to, to friendships or relationships as well. And so today, I'm going I'm to present to you the second leg of the chair. Today, we're here to talk about accountability. All right? Accountability. Now, I know for some of you, that's probably a word that brings out maybe some negativity, maybe some unhealthy uh, memories that you have, because sometimes accountability is something that we shy away from. It's painful. It's hurtful. I think we probably all have an experience with a boss or maybe an authority figure that handled accountability in an authoritarian way, where he or she wanted to just let you know who was in charge maybe got on their high horse or on a power trip and wanted you to know just how low or insignificant you are. Well, the goal of today's message is to redeem the word accountability. We're going to redeem it. We're going to see what God truly intends for our lives and the use of accountability. But as we journey through today's message, we're, we're going to discover his intent, his his purpose behind accountability. And, and as we look at it, I want, you to, I want you to think for a moment, no matter where you find yourself on the marriage spectrum, whether you're married, divorced, widowed, uh, maybe you have no interest in getting married, or maybe you're not married yet, but you want to be, I want you to know that this message is for you. So let's take a look at three questions to help us understand what is at stake when it comes to accountability. We're going to look at what, why, and how. What, why, and how as it pertains to accountability. The first question, what is accountability? If it's not necessarily how we've experienced it, what is it truly? What was God's intent? So to understand what accountability is, we're first going to gain some clarity by talking about what it is not. All right, accountability in God's intended purpose is not condemnation when we screw up. Accountability goes far beyond just making sure that we know how to get back on the right path if we've screwed up. It's not condemnation. It's not negativity. It's not a thing to shy away from. It's not a thing to be avoided. Simply put, accountability is the ability to give an account. It's the ability to give an account for our actions for the way we use our time, for our efforts, and ultimately it's the ability to give an account for our life. It's about being responsible. It's an opportunity for us to support one another as well as be supported. 
Moving on to the second question, why? Why talk about accountability? Why does accountability matter so much that I've said it 20 times already this morning? Why accountability? One of the most crucial moments any of us will experience is the moment after our life on earth here is done. And we go and we meet face to face with God before His judgment seat. We find what's going to happen in Romans 14, verse 10 through 12. Let's take a look. It says, remember... Paul is talking here. Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. If we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of God, I would say that makes it pretty important to talk about today. goes on in verse 11, For the Scriptures say, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me and every tongue will declare allegiance to God. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. You see, accountability matters because each one of us, when our life is over, is going to go before the judgment seat of God and be held accountable for how we lived our lives. Talking about accountability now matters because each one of us is going to experience this accountability, and it's not something that we need to be scared of. It's not something that we have to be fearful of. You see, one of the things I love about God is that He doesn't expect us to go our entire lives void of accountability, and then we die, and all of a sudden, bam, we're held accountable. All of a sudden, we meet Him before His judgment seat and experience accountability for the first time. That's not how it works. He's not a teacher who gives an unexpected pop quiz that determines where we spend eternity. Instead, He tells us up front, He values accountability. He values us being responsible for the way that we've lived our life. Unfortunately for us, he gives us opportunities along the way to experience accountability. Many of those opportunities come in the form of marriage and our other close relationships. You know, one plus one equals one isn't even possible unless accountability is a part of that equation. Going back to the chair analogy, if you remove the leg of accountability from marriage, that chair is going to fall. It's not going to be something that can support any weight or anything of significance without accountability the one and the one will drift apart and not even be a part of the exact same equation this is why at new life one of our core values is that we're better together it's hard to hold yourself accountable if you're not doing life with another person or group of people it can be a challenge to hold yourself accountable think about going to the gym It's a whole lot easier to get to the gym and work out if you have somebody that's going to meet you there and hold you accountable for your attendance. Or for those of you that have been on diets, how challenging is it if you're just trying to stick to a diet yourself? But it's much easier if you've got a spouse who understands your diet and isn't rubbing it in your face by eating all the types of foods that you can't eat. We're better together when we hold one another accountable. Let's take a look at what Paul wrote in Galatians 6, verses 1-2. through It says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. He goes on to say, And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. I believe Paul very strategically use the words gently and humbly. 
going back to some of the negative experiences we've had with accountability, how many of you have been held accountable in a way that was maybe less than gentle, less than humble? You were held accountable in a way that wasn't God's intent. God's intent is for us to extend far beyond just dealing with the sin. We're also accountable for what He's given us. So accountability focuses not just on the challenges that we have to face and overcome, but when we stand before God after our life on this earth, we're going to be held accountable for the way we use the gifts that He's given us. The different resources that He's placed in our hands, He's going to hold us accountable for that as well. We find this in Luke 12, 48, an important truth. It says, when someone has been given much, much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. You see, you will be held accountable for using what you've been given. And God expects you to use it well. God wants you to use your gifts to to live life to the fullest, to make a difference and to advance His kingdom while you're here on earth. The process we're talking about here, this being held accountable, it's really part of a process called sanctification. Sanctification is the act of of separating ourselves from evil, separating us from the sin that was mentioned in Scripture a minute ago, and growing more and more like Christ. As a Christian, sanctification is a crucial process for our continued spiritual growth. And one of the ways we see sanctification occur is through being held accountable by both God's Holy Spirit and by other believers. As a side note, With this topic of accountability, I want you to know that our church leadership, we've spent the last 15 months dealing with accountability, creating a structure for every single facet of this organization or this church called New Life. Every person who steps into ministry is accountable to someone. Why? It's not so we can be controlling or go on power trips. It's not for the ego of those who are able to hold others accountable, but it's because we want to be good stewards of the responsibilities we've been given. Our accountability structure can really be seen as a discipleship structure. God cares immensely about this church, Big C Church, church across the world, but also about this church specifically, New Life. Therefore, we want to steward well what He's given us. And the greatest resource he blesses a church with is the people who make up the church. So now, having tackled the the what is accountability and, and, and why do we need to be held accountable, let's move on to the meat of today's message. And that really deals with how accountability works. What's required to live it out and experience all God has intended it to be. If we're going to redeem this word, we have to learn how God wants us to hold someone accountable and how we can be held accountable. Now before being called into ministry and moving my family from Omaha out to North Platte, I taught in public schools in the Omaha area for nine years. And one of my favorite parts of that experience was always the stories that I could share. And we don't have enough time for me to share all of them. We could We could be here for quite some time, but today I'm going to share one of perhaps my favorite stories from my nine years of teaching because it deals with accountability. 
You see, in my first year of teaching, I had a little boy named Oliver, and he had kind of shaggy, curly blonde hair. He had some learning challenges, but he had just this personality that attracted everybody. Everybody loved Oliver. And so it's April, kind of late in the school year. I'm getting ready, you know, getting some last-minute things done before a school day is going to begin. And about five or ten minutes before the, the opening bell is going to ring, I get a message that I've got a phone call. And if you're an educator, you know that, man, that's just the, the, the most exciting thing to get five or ten minutes before the bell rings. All right? And so I'm, I make my way down to the office. I pick up the phone, and I say hello, and I find out that it's Oliver's mom on the other end of the line. And she says, Mr. Cumming, I'm sorry to be calling you right now, but I just got to let you know something that's going on with Oliver. I said, okay, what's going on? And she said, well, we've had trouble with him having accidents recently. And I think you probably know what I'm talking about. And she says, now, I don't know if he's been having them at school or maybe when he gets out of school, but what I've found is that he gets so excited when he's playing with his brother and his friends at the park that he doesn't want to stop, run home, use the bathroom, and get back out there to play with them. And so she said, I don't really know what you'll be able to do, but is there something? Can you help me with this and just see if... You know, Oliver can go through the day without having an accident. I said, well, yeah, sure. That, that's no problem. We take a few breaks throughout the day to go to recess. So before we go each time, I'm just going to ask him, hey, Oliver, do you need to go use the bathroom? And if he needs to go, then he can go. Uh, and it won't be any big deal. I'd love to help him with this. And so we hang up and I go and pick up my class and we start our day. Morning recess shows up. And before we head outside, I say, hey, Oliver, do you need to use the bathroom? And he says, yeah, I do. I said, okay, we'll go, and then we'll head out. So he goes, uses the bathroom, comes back out. And then before lunch, recess, same thing. Hey, Oliver, do you need to use the bathroom? Yeah, I do. Okay, awesome. You know, it's just like almost a sign of relief comes across his face. He's like, yes, I got to go. Okay, so go to the bathroom. And he does and goes outside and, and plays. And, and then afternoon recess rolls around. And Tons of stuff have happened in the day. I almost forget that I'm supposed to hold him accountable to this. We get all the way outside. I'm holding the door, and all the class gets out of the, uh, out of the building. They're running out to the playground. Oliver's always the last one in line. And just as he takes about three or four steps outside of the, the building, I say, hey, wait, Oliver, do you need to use the bathroom? And he just looks at me, stops, dead in his tracks, eyes get huge. He goes, how do you always know? So what's the moral of the story? Having someone hold you accountable can help you avoid making a mess. (laughs) You see, it would have been easy for me to, you know, maybe avoid that phone call. It would have been easy for me to just get sidetracked and, and not value Oliver. But by loving him enough to hold him accountable, we got through that issue. And he grew beyond it. To where it wasn't anything that he had to worry about any longer. And so I want to take a moment to look at three critical elements so that we understand how accountability works. The first element that's required in order to understand accountability and how it works is this, that it starts with love. It starts with loving somebody enough and valuing them enough to get into life with them. 
Not keeping them at a distance, but being willing to say, yeah, I'm going to walk alongside you and I'm going to be with you on this. It starts with love. Romans 12, 9 through 10 says this, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. How many of you, if we're being honest, that's a challenge sometimes? To really love others. We love to maybe pretend that we do. We love to put on that facade, but but we're challenged here to really love others. Goes on, hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. Notice Paul's not saying or excuse me, Paul is saying hate what is wrong and not be critical. Hate what is wrong, but not be critical. There's a big difference there. Hate what is wrong and hold tightly to what is good. Husbands, if you want to be the type of spiritual leader that truly leads your wife, become her biggest cheerleader rather than her biggest critic. Celebrate her when she gets a promotion. Ask her what God's been speaking to her during her devotions. Thank her for taking care of whatever household responsibilities she has to take care of. Cheer for her beyond just what she can do. Encourage her for who she is and who she's becoming. One of my favorite things to do or one of my favorite things to say to my wife Tiffany is not, thank you for folding the laundry, although I thank her for that. It's not, thank you for doing the dishes, although I thank her for that. A lot of times what I'll say to my wife is, man, I am so glad that our kids have you as a mom. Because it affirms who she is. And it lets her know that she's not just what she does. But that I value her for who she is. I often tell her, man, there's nobody I'd rather be leading the North Platte campus with than you. Again, it's not about the things she can do, but it's who she is and who God is is calling her to become. The second thing that we have to understand when it comes to how accountability works, accountability works through the act of listening. Going back to Oliver's story for a moment, it would have been really easy for me to just say, you know what, I don't have enough time, the bell's about to ring, I'm not going to take this phone call. But instead, I entered into the situation and I listened. There's three ways that we listen. One is till we know what we're going to say or maybe what we disagree with. And oftentimes when that's how we're listening, it takes everything within us not to interrupt or interject with what it is that we want to share, what maybe how the person we're talking to or talking with is wrong. So we listen until we know what we're going to say or disagree with. Or sometimes we just listen until we lose interest. We get bored and we stop listening, even though maybe we're sitting in front of the person still and they're still talking, we oftentimes will check out. But the third and the best way to listen is this. It's to listen to understand. Listen to understand. If you want to be good at accountability, you have to listen to understand. Recently, Tiffany, she's been telling me all of these different remodeling projects that she wants to do. We just bought a home, and she's telling me all these different things that she wants to change and fix and update And I'll be honest, most of the time they seem completely overwhelming to me, all right? 
I went to Honduras recently. Any of the guys that went to Honduras with me know I'm not super handy, okay? I was a big cheerleader for, for the most part. But so Tiffany, she, she comes up with all these different ideas. It's part of a gift that she has. And I sit there and I can get overwhelmed with it. And sometimes it makes me want to just check out and be like, no way, no way. I've got enough stuff on my plate. But here's the deal. I love Tiffany more than I want to avoid the project she's dreaming up. And so I listen to her. And as I listen, I find out she's not expecting me to do it anyway. (laughs) And that's a good thing. Listening to understand your spouse is the only way that one plus one can ever equal one. If you don't truly understand your spouse, there's no way the two of you are one in whatever situation you're facing. Lastly, godly accountability requires another ability, and that's vulnerability. Your marriage will never experience all God intends for it until you're willing to be vulnerable. So I ask you today, what is it that you're holding back from your spouse? What is it that you're holding back from that person you're in a close relationship with? What is it that you're holding back from your life group? You see, your experience in friendship and life group will never be life-transforming until the moment you're vulnerable. So what's holding you back? I've got a testimony that I want to share from one of our ladies out at the North Platte campus, and this is her sharing how life group has transformed her life, what it has meant to her. She says this, I know for sure if it was not for my life group, I would not be in my walk with Christ like I am. I am a strong leader, not only in the church, but in the workplace and in everyday life because of the effect my life group has had on me. My life group has shown me that Christ-following people love me for who I am, and I love this part, and will not judge me for, for who God wants me to become. The support and friendships that come from life groups are life-changing. In a small group setting like life group, you find out everyone has a story and they want to know yours to help you grow. My life group has helped me be able to understand the power of God and be open to hearing the Holy Spirit. I love that testimony, especially the part that says that her life group doesn't judge her or hold her back from becoming who it is that God wants her to become. That's sanctification. That's the end result. That's the, that's the dream that God has if we're willing to embrace accountability. If we're willing to be vulnerable. This testimony is an example of sanctification and living out Romans 12 too says this, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. In her words, it was who God wants her to become. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. The keys to accountability are simple. Three words, love, listen, and vulnerability. Who do you need to love better? Who do you need to love better by taking an interest in them? 
I want to encourage you to be willing to venture into the dirty or the difficult areas of life with someone. Today, who do you need to truly listen to? Not just so you can give them some advice that you've already decided or determined in your mind, but who do you need to listen to to truly understand where they're at? Oftentimes, we talk about not just having a conversation one way, but having a conversation with somebody as you have a conversation with God and His Holy Spirit. As you do that, you're going to understand the person you're talking to better. You're going to understand the questions that you need to ask in order to help them uncover what it is that God has for them. Who do you need to be vulnerable with today? If you're in a marriage, if you're in a close relationship or in a life group, what do you need to open up about? What do you need to be vulnerable with so that somebody can come alongside you in godly accountability and help love you along the way to where God wants you to go? In closing today, let's return to where we started. Romans 14, verses 10 through 12, says, Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For the Scriptures say, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me and every tongue will declare allegiance to God. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. We gain greater clarity on this moment and what's at stake through a story that Jesus told his final week on earth. It's a parable that I love to tell. I feel like every time I get up and preach, I want to share from this parable because there's so much value in it. There's so much value in it. It's the parable of the three servants. It's found in Matthew 25. As many of you may know, the master is going to be going away for a little while. He says he's going to be taking a trip, and he pulls in three servants, and he gives each servant some talents or some gifts and, uh, or bags of silver, if you will. And he wants them to utilize them and invest those talents while he's away. Now, it's just a trip, so there's, there's the assumption, or maybe he communicated to him, I'm going to come back, and I'm going to ask you to be accountable for how you've used these gifts. He gives the first servant five bags of silver, two to the second, and one to the third. The servants know, like I said, that they're going to have to be held accountable to this. The first two are inspired by this, knowing that the master is going to come back and he's going to want to know what they've done with it. So they don't shy away from it. They're not scared. They're not fearful. And they go and invest and they double what they were given. The third servant, out of insecurity, out of fear of accountability, is paralyzed. And he buries the silver in the ground and doesn't do anything with his opportunity. He looks at it and just thinks, it's better to just manage and maintain what I have than take what God's given me and build upon it and use it. When the master returns, he meets with the three servants. His response to the first two servants is basically the exact same response. He says, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling the small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. His response to the third servant, who was scared, is drastically different. He actually takes the bag of silver, gives it to the first servant, and then has this to say. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. 
and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. If you want an abundant life, one with a thriving marriage full of growth, deep understanding, greater intimacy, then don't shy away from accountability. Embrace it. And in doing so, you'll transform your life and you'll actually be excited and full of anticipation for that moment with which you stand face to face with God. And you'll give your account for how you spent your life. And you too will hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with what I have given you. Let's celebrate together. Today, as we go into a time of responding to God and worship, I encourage you to pursue the God who loves you enough to hold you accountable. In New Life, we have a a saying where we love one another right where we're at, but we love each other too much to leave us there. That's modeled after God and His plan for us. He loves you right where you're at with whatever you're dealing with, but He loves you too much to leave you there. So start by professing your love or by pondering his love for you during the response worship that we're about to go into. Listen for what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and be obedient to his leading. Husbands, this may mean taking your wife by the hand and leading her to the altar. The Holy Spirit may be leading you to pray with someone else. Be obedient to his leading. It might just change their life. And it might change yours as well. Lastly, as we move into this time, I want to encourage you to be vulnerable. Be vulnerable in the presence of God. He desires this. In fact, in Psalm 62, 8, it says this, O my people, trust in Him at all times. Pour out your heart to Him, for God is our refuge. God wants you to be vulnerable with Him. Not so that He learns what's going on in your life. He already knows. But he wants you to be vulnerable with him today because it's what's best for you. Why don't you stand with me and let's pray. Father, when it comes to accountability, you alone are the expert. You alone are the authority. Help us to not shy away from accountability, but seek it and embrace it. When we love others through accountability the way you intend for it to work, it brings you glory and it brings us great joy. It brings us more into alignment with the plans and and purposes you have for each of us. God, I pray that you would strengthen the marriages and relationships and the friendships found here in our church. May we experience your healing as we love, listen, and are vulnerable with one another. God, I want to thank you for placing people in our lives to love and support us along our journey. God, we come before you now and and we offer you praise for loving us the way you do. For loving us enough to keep us accountable. For calling us to a higher standard of living than what the world calls for. For sanctifying us and making us more like you. Today, we seek your presence in our lives. We need the presence of your Holy Spirit leading and guiding us. Speak to us in this time of worship. In Jesus' name, amen.